We're back again. It's Chase and Josh of Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I am Josh, and we're here to give you another standalone episode where we're covering the film Thor, Love and Thunder today. It's going to be a really interesting you know, ride. Chase is actually going to be the one to take us through this. I know if you joined us last week, I kind of guided us through the Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness film. We're going to kind of do the same sort of format. Chase is going to dive in, take us through the big key events that happen. We're going to discuss some of our takeaways from it, maybe some debates at the end, and additionally go ahead and provide some uh, ratings on a scale of 1 to 10 numerically of where we thought that this film landed and maybe where it's going to go forward and how it fits into the Marvel Universe going forward from here. So really excited to jump into it today. Before we do, I'll turn the floor over to Chase and uh, we'll get after it. Yeah, man, I'm excited about this one. I uh, had some interesting opinions on it that we'll get into towards the end of the episode. I know Jay Nelly did too. Um, but Thor, you know, I'm, I've always loved Thor. Uh, not as much as Spider-Man, as you all clearly know here, unfortunately. But uh, Thor has definitely been... Um, he, he it's, it's definitely been an interesting character arc for him. But Thor's always been a badass, man. We always go for the head. Take it to the head. That's what we do with the malice and the chalice, man. Let's get a malice in the chalice, and we'll get started. Like you said, I like that there. You said, let's take it to the head. So I'm going to crack that open. We're going to take this to the head. Cheers, my brother. <laughs> Cheers, brother. Awesome. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, go, uh, go turn the floor over to you to just dive through it. You start up at the beginning, and... You know, like if you have anything adding, if you have questions along the way, we're going to go ahead and tackle it as it comes. But this is this is going to be Chase guiding us through Thor: Love and Thunder. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. So the film starts out. By the way, I want to give a uh, you know a, a big praise to Christian Bale because I thought he did great as the villain of this film. Definitely, this film had some work to do, but I thought he did a good job. So at the very beginning, we see. Uh, the villain of this film that becomes a villain is Christian Bale, and he's playing Gore, who is also known as the God Butcher. But you see he's praying for his daughter and hoping she survives. And in his arms, uh, Gore's daughter dies. And he's kind of in this, like, desert area here. He buries his daughter, but then walks and sees that there's a jungle sort of thing in front of him. Yeah, I would say right. like like an oasis, you know, like, like like a beautiful oasis type of deal. But you're right, and that's that's a kind of like the first thing I noticed as well too. Yeah, very interesting how that kind of, you know, I I don't know if that like someone planted it in the ground for years before or something. Well, it kind but. of disappeared, right? Almost when I first saw, it, I was like, oh, this is just a mirage. You know how like, you, you we always grew up with those things where people are walking through the deserts and they see water even though it's not there it's like a, a figment of their imagination but part of me thought it was that to begin with and then when he enters it, i'm like oh shit i guess this is real so yeah man it's really very interesting and you know just like you know, touch on what you said too about them like walking through the desert you know they, he was just they were just alone it was like the, you know the dad and the daughter and he was carrying her and you know trying to, to help her as best he could to survive and she just didn't have the ability to she was young the immune system probably not all that was cracked up to be and yeah, and that's you know she died in his arms, so that's going to be a cool full circle coming up later when uh, you know she dies in his arms, and I'll you know leave it there. But yeah, go ahead and take it away. No, oh, awesome. So he gets there, uh, and this is interesting because he encounters other gods that are in this oasis, and Gore stops for a minute because he actually cuts his hand on what what is the sword, and um, Gore sees that the god that's there is the bringer of light. 
and is asking for help for him because, uh, you know, Gore has been starving for days. He was eating the fruit and, you know, of course, his daughter just died. And the bringer of light tells him he just killed the wielder of the Necker sword, which is that sword that he cut his hand on. And there will be more followers to replace Gore. And he's not going to be giving him any type of eternal reward or helping him out in any sort of way. So Gore is basically on his own. Like, they look at him and are, you know, in a nice way. They wouldn't put this in a Marvel film, but sorry, man, you're fucked. <laughs> like, yeah. that's all you, man. Dude, it seemed like they, the, the, the gods treated him like he was scum. Like, he was, you know, like, like oh, like, yeah, there's no eternal reward. Like, there's going to be flowers after. But just want to mention that this god's name is Rapu. That's the name yep. of, like, the, the, like the, the, the god that they worship. He said, oh, he's one of mine because he had the medallion and it had the head with the little thing at the top. So the name of that, the, the bringer of light, the god of the bringer of light in that, his name is Rapun. So that's the one that they encounter first. Absolutely. And so they kind of have this argument there. Um, and the Necker sword, Gore starts kind of hearing almost like voices in a way, you would say. Right? Would it be voices? Yeah, absolutely. And the Necro Sword almost gets called to him and it comes to his hand. And Gore stabs the god Rapu through the throat. And Rapu says, You are now cursed, and this sword will curse you. And Gore makes this vow. And he says, This is my vow. All gods will die. And that's kind of how you get this origin story of Gore, the God Butcher, is what they say. So, yeah, any thoughts on it? One thing that I wanted to mention is just a quick quote is from the, because you were mentioned the voices that he was hearing. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that really stood out to me of what the voices in his head were saying, like that maybe it was the sword calling to him, maybe it was the person who, you know, just was killed and, you know, maybe like their last thought and the echoes in eternity. But, that what the sort like the voices in his head said is said, go to eternity and kill the gods. That's what it said to him. And so then that like that's the, then then he you like you mentioned he said you know this is my vow all gods gods will die. So that's kind of where we we shipped in. So yeah, good stuff. Awesome. Um, and then from this point we kind of cut to the beginning of the film and Korg. Uh, Korg is the stone guy. <laughs> he was in Thor Ragnarok, if anyone remembers that. And he's kind of giving a narration here of the backstory of Thor. So if you remember, you know, when Josh and I were ranking our MCU films, you know, we talked about Endgame and how Thor, he wasn't exactly in the best shape he's ever been. Infinity <laughs> War, he's a badass, but definitely a depression <laughs> took a key there in Endgame. But uh, he gives his backstory, and Thor is getting back in shape, and he's he's been traveling with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and he has this getup, right? This new Guardians getup, but he looks like, uh, I mean, the best way to honestly describe it is like a Guns N' Roses member, <laughs> but how would you describe his new like getup he's got going on? It's funny, because what it makes me think of, and they use the term a lot, a space viking, Right, and I thought it was cool that, like you said, he almost looked as a good part of a, an 80s rock band, you know, the long blonde hair, but like the, the vest on and then, you know, the, the tight jeans and the boots. It really, I think he really nailed it and said he looks like he could have been a member of like Guns N' Roses or something. So, no, I, I'm with you on that, man. <laughs> awesome, brother. One thing I did like, too, where he was doing the narrations, it showed him, at, like, you know how you can use the ropes in the gym to, like, tighten your abs and arms? He was using these massive-ass chains, and 
it was badass man like that's how a demigod works out like you put me through a demigod training session that uh, trust me people say p90x is rough i can't even imagine <laughs> what that would be but from this point we have king yakon he's the blue guy is what i really put down um but you know they're on this mission the guardians with star lord and uh, and of course you have rocket and Korg is with them, and they're going to save uh, this temple because uh, King Yakon says the temple is unguarded and the gods have been killed. And Thor has this like speech, which is really funny. That Star Lord's like scripted and he's mouthing it the whole time. I won't go into the whole thing, but it was so funny because his speech. He says uh, <laughs> as as he's mouthing it. Um, he said he basically says like i forgot exactly what this speech says but he said something that was like like here we fight on this day it was very 300s did you get that speech by any chance i didn't write it down but yeah you're right in terms of that because he had a catchphrase at the end of it and that catchphrase kind of like of, of the speech and that catchphrase kind of plays another role with another character who's trying to find theirs in throughout the film i'll just yeah. say that for now so He's, it was very 300y uh, it was it was it was funny though. So another part is like I don't know if uh, Star Lord scripted it and he's the one that wrote it, but I think it's just because every time they go to a planet, Thor would say it over and over again. So he kind of memorized Thor's speech because they'd be saving these planets, and that would be his catchphrase. And that's you know kind of what why Star Lord memorized it and was able to mouth it because he's like I heard this so many times, you know. But yeah. Oh, it was excellent. I did get the one little part here at the very end is when like his cloak was being shot through before he throws it off and attacks everybody. He goes, this ends here and now, <laughs> which was, it was great. But then it cuts to, so I, what I wrote down was he fights these like bird aliens, which I don't know why they decided to come up with this idea. They looked like they were like evil Sesame Street characters, but I'm, I'm down with it. Um, but so he like, uh, this was really cool because Thor does pretty much kick ass. And I would say the guardians kind of, you know, sit back and wait for Thor to take care of all of it. I'll say, but he throws Stormbreaker through a fleet of these almost like pod racing things foreshadow for next week, <laughs> but throws Stormbreaker and explodes one of these. And then the, most interesting part of this fight was you can definitely tell they were trying to put some comedic action into it because he stops to like the bird pod racers <laughs> with his feet and is holding them back and then uses lightning to kill the guys in the glass temple and goes straight through it. And you can kind of see how Thor has definitely been a little bit reckless with his thoughts. This kind of goes back to the whole like you know, Captain America Civil War, speaking of Wanda that we talked about last week, right? You know, they were upset about her because she blew up a building. Well, he the whole point of this mission was to save these people in this temple, and he just destroys the entire thing and is giving a speech as it collapses. Um, so, of course, he saved the day, but with a high cost, I guess. So now we get to have this kind of full circle moment all the way back from Thor the Dark World and we finally see Jane Foster again one, uh, one thing yeah. I want to mention just to see if you caught on to her if you saw her or anyone else saw the little kind of easter egg they threw in here do you remember right before the battle started Thor jumped on Stormbreaker and rode it like a Harry Potter broom 
That was awesome. That was so cool. Dude, he did like the Nimbus 2000 or the Firebolt. He he jumped on Stormbreaker and started flying towards the battle. I thought that was really funny. And like to your point too, you remember you said that that Thor kind of resembled a uh, Guns N' Roses uh, band member. Like when you mentioned he ended his, uh, his speech and said, this ends here and now. Welcome to the Jungle comes on, and it's all rock and roll from there. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. And he whoops like all their enemies' asses. And like you said, the split between the ships was kind of weird. But then destroying the whole temple, and then you know, it kind of catches up to where you're at here with Jane Foster. But I just want to mention that like little cool Harry Potter nod there where he rode Stormbreaker like the Firebolt. <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. That was so cool. He he looked kind of like he could have been like a witch from Hocus Pocus or like a wizard or something, too. It was cool. I, I, I liked it, man. I would, You know what I would really love to see on a side note? If Doctor Strange taught Thor magic, do you realize how much of a badass Thor would be at that point? Now, I think he still might lack some competence like Doctor Strange does, so I still would probably pick Doctor Strange to win. But that would be a pretty sick one-on-one death battle right there but um so going full circle here so jane foster natalie portman padme foreshadow for next week (laughs) the heartthrob she is is back she's not in the greatest health though so we find out she has stage four cancer and we find this out actually from darcy edwards who is in thor the dark world she actually made some appearances speaking of last week in WandaVision, she had some little moments there. So it's interesting how they're trying to bring these characters back full circle. So, uh, but yeah, you find out Jane, you know, even though she's a, you know, really smart scientist, it was funny. She like destroyed this guy's book explaining wormholes. That was a book she wrote just to prove, you know, she understands what she's talking about and she's so intellectual, but she's definitely going through a rough time right now. And another kind of full circle moment to, Thor Ragnarok, which is really cool. So we have this play that gets put on, which if you remember from Thor Ragnarok, we actually had a play there that was put on by some actors. And some of these here, and this is, I'll let you do this play because I can tell you want to do this one. So no, not so much to play. There was one part in here I thought was really important that we just kind of glossed over because remember when she, Jane Foster was kind of sitting in her apartment and like you said she kind of dejected because she had stage four cancer and she's trying to figure out you know how she can beat it because the her friend told her hey you got to take it easy how about you just get some rest and you know heal up and she looks at that uh viking mythology book and then she mm-hmm. reads through it and sees like uh, uh mjolnir the name of the the hammer it causes great health and that's when she, the, the idea to go visit new asgard forms in her head and that's when we go to new asgard and get that place so i just wanted to you know, kind of put that put that out there, but I'll let you go ahead and take the play part. No, that's important. That's a big moment too. So I was too focused on the bird aliens <laughs> to remember that. <laughs> no, that's good stuff. But um, so yeah, this play I thought it was really cool, especially for us here at Factor Fantasy for the Ridiculous Crew, because what's funny is it has really big time actors. Even one that like one we're gonna kind of jump back into this world next season down the road, which is really cool. So. We're getting this play, and it's a full circle moment from Thor Ragnarok because they're acting out the fight between Helena and Thor and Loki. And the actors here, so Matt Damon is playing Loki, and then the guy that plays Thor is the guy, Luke Hemsworth, who played Ashley Stubbs from Westworld, man. It was awesome. And then the girl that plays Helena, it was really cool. Uh, Melissa McCarthy, if you've ever watched like Bridesmaids or 
you know any uh, any of those films it was it was awesome and uh they even had like the rope <laughs> like the hammer come towards them so i really appreciated like that comedic relief and kind of the cameos there i thought it was kind of cool that was especially really funny. to get yeah and also, too, before we the played, remember that thing at New Asgard? And we see it's almost like an Old Spice commercial. It was like Valkyrie <laughs> and she did like the Old Spice commercial. I thought that was ridiculous. But no, your point yeah. was really funny. But yeah, how could like, let's talk about that for just a quick second. Like the fact that they had such big name, high profile actors doing a play of the big the high profile <laughs> actor Thor. Like that was just so like really cool. And I don't know if you got the same sort of vibe or the same thing popped into your head, but to you, didn't it kind of remind you when Arya went to go see the play of like Joffrey? Absolutely. Like a hundred percent. Right. So I thought that was kind of cool. We get to see that and everything kind of ties in, in the fantasy fiction world. So I thought that was really awesome. But yeah, that's all I had to say on it. No, it was awesome. And I loved how you brought up to like, uh, the Old Spice commercial with the new Asgard because Valkyrie, remember, she's like the king over there, which I guess you can say like the queen, but she's kind of like the president of the United States. Like She's kind of like doing all these commercials kind of thing, but, you know, getting the new Asgard together. So I thought it was awesome. And, and Valkyrie, another full circle moment for us here, you know, talk about the Westworld world. Charlotte. <laughs> Yeah, we'll be back in that world uh, next season. So, you know, but but this season we got uh, two major arcs coming after this. So don't worry. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so um, back here. So uh, this is kind of another, you know, Jane Foster. We see her. She shows up to New Asgard. And speaking of what happened with Helena back in Ragnarok, you can see in this kind of glass bubble it's like the artifact shards of where helena destroyed thor's original mjolnir (laughs) the hammer and shattered it so you can see the pieces there and all of a sudden as jane goes up to it you see it start to spark like you see the electricity start to go everywhere so you start wondering what's going on and then we cut back to king yukon the blue guys the blue guys he wound up in the wrong film he should have been in avatar 2 <laughs> next year that's where he should have been anyways uh what's really cool here is he gives them this gift that you can tell he really didn't want <laughs> and it's the screaming goats man the screaming goats uh, and Thor, like, takes the goats with him. And at the point, like, this point, the Guardians are getting a distress signal. And another full circle character here, Sif, who has been in the other Thor films, uh, especially Thor 1, um, Gore, she gets a, they get a distress signal almost like in, in first Star Wars film from Leia, you know, that Gore, the God Butcher, he's killing gods. And then Star-Lord has this kind of, one-on-one moment with thor it was i really liked it because he kind of brings up about how like gamora like you know made him feel shitty (laughs) because like he was so in love with gamora and he hopes that thor can find someone that makes him feel this shitty so he really wants to feel shitty right and so long story short is the guardians have to go do their thing why thor decides he's gonna go save sif because that's his friend and so they decide to go their separate ways thor uh his new costume i wrote i thought it looked pretty badass you know so so it was pretty cool um but then when they get to see sif this was really cool i want to bring this up on a side note if you 
type in uh, Thor by Jason Aaron, which is this exact story based on of. This was exactly from the comics. Like you can actually compare a panel um, when they see that big like snow god that they said was he said was one of the nicest creatures of all, and the creature was killed and Sif was there dead. This is actually directly from the comic. So I appreciated the fact that they still tried to take direct things from the comic and, and make them realistic as well, uh, which nothing in this movie is really realistic. But yeah, <laughs> it's just in, due to your point there, because like, we both agree that the film did some kind of cool things and also sort of mm-hmm. questionable things. There was one thing I really thought that you were going to mention because it's one of your and this is this is straight up from our personal lives. Chase always kind of says this kind of same sort of deal. And so I thought he was going to bring it up, but I'll do it for him. But when this just goes back just a touch when with the scene cuts back to like the blue leader and they get the presents, which are the goats. And Thor's trying to apologize about the temple, and the blue leader's like, "I don't want to talk." He's like, "I don't want to talk about the temple. It makes me sad." <laughs> like, Chase, <laughs> Chase, Chase, Chase always said, "Yeah, Chase always sad. says that sometimes." Like we talk about, he's like, "I don't know it. It makes me sad." <laughs> so, <laughs> it makes me sad. Uh, what's funny is, as you guys know, following us for all this time, Jay Nelly and I are big Wedding Crashers fans, so <laughs> we always go. Like, what's funny, too, is even if I don't want to go out one night, because we always try to go out and have fun, Jay Nelly will text me because he's the only one that can ever get me to go out. He's like, you can't hide from your destiny. And then he goes, don't sulk and sit into a corner. It draws attention to yourself in a negative way. Draw attention to yourself, but on a positive note. <laughs> so it's hysterical, man. Fantastic. It's only so gonna shout make out you mad. Jay Nelly, man. <laughs> like, but another part of that too that I want to jump into is after that. Uh, remember when they first got back on Star Lord's ship? The person who stayed back to watch the ship ends up marrying a local, and Star Lord's like, "You can't get married in every single planet we land on." <laughs> that, that, that was interesting. <laughs> Then he, you, we also get that part where you kind of touched that where they had this sentimental one-on-one with Star Lord and that he's like, yeah, really take care of the people that you love. And he looks up at the other Guardians of the Galaxy, and Thor tries to like get his face in front of him to see like, hey, I'm one of the people you care about and love, right? And, and Star <laughs> Star kept like shifting and moving so he wasn't getting the eyeline of Thor. I thought that was really funny. And Thor, oh, it was like you can see, Thor didn't want to leave the Guardians of the Galaxy. He'd want, he he tried to prolong and draw out their their departure. And he is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you this ship. It starts like, oh, you're, you're giving me, you're giving me my, my own ship. <laughs> He's like, yeah, she's a temperamental lass, but she'll treat you well. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like fantastic, so funny. But that was excellent. Ended up saying like, oh. like and then you're talking about, like, you know, you find someone that makes you feel this shitty when you know the love hurts or whatever. So yeah, that's a good part that you brought there, but. Yeah, yeah, and I also thought this part was cool too. And I know you're probably about to jump into it, but no, when he gets to Sif, that you know she's dying and she has no arm and got cut off, and she was like, "Well, at least I'll make it to Valhalla." And Thor was like, "Ooh, bad news." He's like, "He says to actually enter Valhalla, you have to die in the battle. You survived the battle. Maybe your arm will be in Valhalla." <laughs> 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 Oh, that's excellent. That's like Wettercrash is like, I'm sure it will be great for, for everyone that's going. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just a part I thought you was kind of cool. certainly will not be. <laughs> well, I guess that's great for, for everyone that's going to hail. <laughs> Say hell. Well, well, I hope you have fun in hail. Say hi to hell for me. <laughs> 
that's just what I wanted to bring up there because I thought that part was interesting. And that was one of the funnier things that, because I didn't love some of the, the comedy, and we'll talk about it later on when we get through this, but that was one part that was really funny. It's like, ooh, so sorry. Like, your your arm might make it to Valhalla, but you got to die in the battle. You survive. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not going there right now. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, I'll turn it back over to you, brother. Oh, no, that was great. That was a great point. Could you imagine someone on their deathbed, like one of your great friends, and they're like about to die, and they're like, oh, man, like what do you think heaven's like? It's like, oh, I think it's amazing. I heard it's fantastic. I mean, you're not going to be there, but I heard it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're not going there. You're going to go to the other place. <laughs> you've, done, you've done just, no, we've, we've done too many things for you to be there. But, but you know, I mean, Maybe if you if you meet Lucifer, you can ask him how it was up there before he was casted down. Maybe maybe that'll that'll kind of give you an idea. <laughs> but but uh, you know, put on some suntan lotion. Don't get too tan down there in the fire and flames. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. Anyways, okay, back to where we were. So at this point, we jump over to we're back to New Asgard, and Gore is up to some shit, man. So Gore arrives in New Asgard and he shoves the necro sword in the ground and raises these shadow figures. Um, and these shadow monsters start rampaging through What the did city. you call them? I called them demon spiders. What did you call them? I called them because uh, Thor at one point called them shadow monsters, but I actually have a big uh debate about this later that okay. i want to bring up about those okay because um the comics call them something else but you can kind of see where if they're going that way um it's almost like they left a lot of parts out of the comics that even though they were very comic accurate here because it's like they didn't want to give something away if they were trying to push towards this it could be a stretch who knows we can talk about it a bit but Anyway, so shadow monsters like just start destroying the city. They're attacking, um, and then Valkyrie flies in on Pegasus and starts saving the day, kicking ass. She's you know she's the queen, so she's got got some work to do. And then Thor comes out of nowhere and throws his axe through one of the monsters' heads, and then uh, and then. She goes, what'd you do this time? He's like, I, I don't know. I've never seen these things before. And then out of nowhere, we start seeing Mjolnir. Mjolnir, I got to work better with my pronunciation. Just starts kicking ass, flying in circles around them. And they notice this warrior. And Thor goes, who's the new guy? And Valkyrie goes, oh, you're going to love the new guy. <laughs> Talk about a foreshadowing moment there. And, uh, and you like, know... Also, yeah. just talk about that for a second, too. Like, and that's sorry to interrupt you, but just like because at that point in time, remember when we left off of me, like you said, the electricity was going through it. This is the first time it's been reformed since it was destroyed by Helena. You know, so this is like really cool. You're seeing Mjolnir back in action for the first time since Thor Ragnarok. So that's a, that's right. a big moment. Like that's years, that's years ago. So this is the first time we're seeing Mjolnir back in action. And, and it's not, it's not fully whole like you remember it. It's like spreading out into pieces and flying mm -hmm. and reforming. And it's just really cool. It's like a new type of weapon, a new type of Mjolnir. So yeah, that's all I just want to mention there. But go ahead and take it away. No, that's perfect. That's what I was just about to say. Because when they notice that piece of it, how it's like reforming. So Mjolnir goes through the same monster out its mouth and explodes it that's the same monster 
Thor threw Stormbreaker through the head. So it's kind of like that uh, full circle back to Lord of the Rings when Gimli was like, that's because my axe is buried in his head. And then Legolas goes, well, he's now he's definitely dead. <laughs> so he was twitching. Like, <laughs> he was twitching. That's right. He was twitching. And um, Mjolnir like explodes it. And you're like, what the fuck is going on with this? And you see the warrior grabs the hammer and the pieces retract to it and it forms back and it's all shattered into bits where it's all been forged back together. And then Thor just goes, Jane? (laughs) Jane Foster has become the mighty Thor, man. It was awesome. She looks fantastic. She has this badass like helmet thing going on. By the way, this was kind of cool, like, You're finally starting to see, I guess, like, where they're trying to make some references to the original Thor comics. Because remember, in the original Thor comics, it wasn't exactly, like, realistic. No one wants to see Thor with some big-ass helmet on his face with wings. But you can tell they've kind of started to do that because they had Jane here. And then you turn around and Thor, like, has put some helmet on his head that's, like, gold and blue. And it has, like, the wings on it. So I just thought that was a cool, like... Uh, you know, nod to the comics there. So I, I really appreciate that stuff, like how we cover the books here, and they try to try to at least give it its references. And then you have right in the middle of the battlefield, Korg is like telling the backstory on how Jane and Thor broke up, and you know Jane left him a letter, but he was always gone. So long story short, they broke up, had a good run. That's just the way it works, and you know that's how. Thor got depressed. <laughs> Part of that, and Thanos made him depressed too. But definitely on his mind. There, um, there was also yeah. a really important part in that flashback that Korg was talking mm-hmm. about, and it was when, remember when Thor the, when they were in the prime of their relationship and everything was happy. When Jane Foster went to another room, Thor looked at Mjolnir and said, "I need you to promise me that you'll always protect her." And yeah. that and, that, and that's why that's important because that's how she was able to you know use this and that's gonna be you know exactly why she's able to use Mjolnir is because Thor the love magic is that deep and strong that it, it connected to to Jane Foster and so it's it, that it's doing its job it's doing it's doing what Thor asked and protecting her so I thought that was really important that was awesome um, and then Gore man I I wrote it down like he like attacks ghost like almost. Like, you know, he was, like, able to dissolve into the ground and shoot up again. Like, almost, like, becoming one with, like, the planet and shit. And he attacks uh, Thor. And they're going, like, blow for blow against each other. And he gets him against an SUV. And Gore's, like, shoving him over and trying to, like, attack him. And Thor goes, oh, that's the Necrosword. I have only read about it in stories. (laughs) It's excellent. I loved it. And Gore just goes, this is going to hurt, and begins to grab Stormbreaker. And Thor says, don't touch touch my axe, and grabs Stormbreaker and knocks him back. And that's when you have the shadow monsters. I guess when Gore kind of realizes at this moment, maybe he can't like beat Thor one-on-one, the shadow monsters start attacking the children and kidnapping them and putting them in this big like it almost reminded me of the witcher like the hut but it was like a walk-in cage (laughs) like yeah it was very interesting um and like is kidnapping the children and this is when you kind of have this moment where you know thor approaches jane you see she has that her hair's like 
like stunning. It's like long and blonde, and you can tell she's not really sickly anymore when she has this hammer. She's like super in shape. You can tell she's been doing that P90X workout. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, Korg goes, it must be hard for you to see your, your ex-girlfriend and ex-hammer hanging out. <laughs> so, I thought that was great. I thought it was funny. I thought this part uh, was cool, too. Because in my mind, because when I watched this, I was more along the thoughts that the battle wasn't really going in Thor's favor. And I know you said that you thought like he didn't think he could beat Thor one-on-one, and that's why he disappeared. To me, it looked like what ended up happening is Jane as Thor, Thor as Thor, and Valkyrie all corner the God Butcher. And that's when he's like, yeah. shit, it's three against one. Now I don't really have a good chance. And that's when he does like the shadow thing. Like, that's what I saw. Yeah. It's like It wasn't so much that he didn't think he could take Thor. It's that, oh, shoot, there's three superheroes against me right now on their planet and their stronghold. Yeah. I got to you know, take, take these children and regroup. And that's what I, the way I interpreted it. Yeah, that's probably a better better analogy of it i mean i think if they did fight one-on-one say i think it would be definitely like uh that would be a battle for the century like it would be badass to see but yeah i think you're right i think it's i mean keep in mind he was definitely it wasn't exactly a fair fight i mean he had his shadow monsters but that's not going to compare to you basically have two demigods and then one that's like an eternal warrior on a flying horse. Like, no, it's basically one against three <laughs> at that point. So, but um, they're kind of at this, like, it was almost like the white house kind of like a counselor meeting kind of thing or like in a church or something. Um, but this was really funny because uh, like Thor, you can tell it's really messing with his mind that Jane's there and she's using Mjolnir. He's uh, he's like, uh, you want the kids back? It'll be a minute. So he acts like he's going to go save them. But really just causing destruction like usual, just bolts out of the roof, destroys the roof. And you see in like a camera angle, he goes outside where... Mjolnir used to be and he like hits a statue goes through it and is just basically arguing with himself <laughs> it's like okay and then he just shows back up and uh then you have this kind of weird moment I don't know what I really think of this like Astrid shows up who is like correct me if I'm wrong I want to make sure I got this right this comes up later I don't want to bring it up too much is he Hemdall's son Astrid Astrid you know, that's a great question. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know, because I know it's a warrior's son, but I don't know if it's Hemdall specifically, because like he mentioned mm-hmm. about like how his father never got to train or teach how to do the whole thing and that, that you're about to go into, and that Thor is like, well, I'll teach you right now. Yeah. You know, So it's definitely a warrior's son. I don't know if it's Hemdall's son specifically. Um, but there was also one other thing right before that, that I wanted to just touch yeah. on quickly, because we learned a little bit about gore the god butcher and what he's able to do and we learn from that little meeting that he's able to travel through shadows and create monsters with them and he wields the necro like the necro sword so those are the three thing key things that we learned about him but to your point uh, it's a great question i don't i don't know specifically which warrior was he the, the astrid or axel whatever you want to call him at this point is the child of but uh, definitely a, a warrior i don't know if it's Hemdall specifically yeah i wasn't sure either that's why i just figured i'd ask um but yeah, actually, I, I can let you go into this for uh, a good bit. But basically what I have here, and then I'll turn it over to you because it sounds like you have more detail on this part. Um, Astrid basically appears ghost-like. I don't really know what the fuck was up with this. I guess he was using his like, ghost projection. And he was like, 
it's Axel now. Like, it was, like, another, like... So, I, the director was obsessed with Guns N' Roses, man. Like, I don't know what was up with that. I just did a quick little research here, and you are 100% right. Uh, it's Hemadol's son. So Okay. Yeah, let's go! Let's go! He can be taught. He can learn for once. <laughs> so, uh, it was just, I was trying to piece it together, and I was like, this probably is who that is, so... But... Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know why he wants to go by Axel now. But uh, basically what I have here, and you probably have more detail than I do, Thor visits him and sees that they're in a cage made of spikes and kidnapped. And Astrid goes, what's going to happen to us? And Thor goes, I don't know, but but you're as guardians, which means if you die, you will end up in Valhalla. This is very bad, very bad. But if you die, you'll end up in Valhalla. thanks man appreciate it bro basically you told me no information (laughs) you told me no information basically just said you know it's been nice knowing you we're gonna try our best but if it doesn't work out it's just not gonna work out today (laughs) not gonna work out today um did you have any more on that i know you were saying i wasn't sure if you had any no i think you covered the key parts you know them saying he's like it basically tells him you know uh, i'll get you out of here but hey if you if you die in this valley you're gonna go to valhalla so that's a that's a good thing to think about you know keep that in mind guys you know so um but you know he does realize where they are which is kind of cool in the shadow realm and that's dope yeah. but uh no i think he did a great job of characterizing the important pieces of that little interaction yeah you see he's exactly where we throw our mouse in the chalice card somehow they ended up there in the shadows <laughs> the shadow realm man Anyways, uh, so they decide on this idea to go to what's called the Omnipotency, uh, Omnipotent City. Is that how you say it? Omnipotent City. Omnipotent Omnipotent City. That's it. This was very interesting place. Did did you kind of get the idea that maybe it's a level of like Olympus, right? I don't know. Yeah, that's what... Yeah, yeah. Like and they had like all the major gods there, right? And they had like uh, an omnipotent means all powerful, right? That's what omnipotent yeah. means. And so omnipotent city is like the all powerful city. So to me, is uh, kind of similar to Olympus, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I was wondering if you kind of got the same vibe there. If that's where they, you know, that's if this is marbles, just take on Olympus, or maybe Olympus is a different area that they'll incorporate later, or if this is this is really it. So. Yeah, I was just curious if that if you like you thought the same sort of deal because you know omnipotent omnipotent means all powerful and omniscient means all knowing. So you know all the all powerful city to me kind of like Olympus, but I could be wrong. It was badass. Side note, like one thing that would have been awesome because we're gonna talk about who you see here, who used to kind of be like a, a juggernaut for like what started these kind of like fighting fantasy films, right? For who's there as like the big god, right? But wouldn't it have been badass if you saw, like, Gerard Butler as, like, one of the gods there? Like, I just think it would be so bad. Like, if you had, like, the big ones, like, like drop whatever you need to do, pay Brad Pitt whatever he needs to pay, be paid, and Gerard Butler, and, dude, that would really be the omnipotent city. <laughs> like, the, like, the true gods. So, I just thought that would be sick, but... Um, basically they go there, they decide to use Stormbreaker as a source of power to like get a ship there and they use the Viking boat outside guided by the goats, (laughs) the screaming goats. 
Which actually in the comics, this is exactly out of the comics, which I thought was really cool. Which I love how they made it make sense with like Stormbreaker and stuff because you can't just put like a, a goat goat guided boat in there <laughs> for no reason. So I thought it was great. I thought so too. Um, and there, there's yeah. another part on that. There's two things there I think that are important. They, I want to know, I want to like let everyone know why they decided to go to Omnipotent City. So the whole yeah. thought process behind it is they wanted to recruit the gods in the fight against Gore, the God Butcher. That's why they mm -hmm. wanted to go there. They weren't just going there to take a vacation. They wanted to go there and recruit the gods in a big war so they could yeah. all team up and take out this guy. You know. And I thought there's another part that's really, really important. Thor had been, you know, quote unquote. I know, I know I'm not saying it right, but flirting with Mjolnir, his old hammer, yeah. in a way. <laughs> and we find out here at least he's still able to pick up Mjolnir. We were, I was curious. Yeah. I was wondering if maybe since it changed loyalties to Jane. If he wasn't going to be able to pick it up anymore. But he is still able to pick up Mjolnir. So I thought that was pretty cool and important to detail. And then just another side thing I just thought was funny. Is when they were in the bathroom. And uh, they're talking about Valkyrie and uh, you know Lady Thor. Or Natalie Portman. Whatever you want to call her. Jane Foster. She smashes the sink with a hammer when she realizes you know, she's still kind yeah. of going through the cancer progression. And it's getting worse for her when she's not in the uniform so to speak. And Valkyrie kind of shows up. And she asks if they got everything <laughs> ready. And then they... She's like, oh, is that like a grenade? And she says, no, it's a portable speaker. And then they play like Family Affair by Mary J. Blige. Let's get it crunk up on that floor. Up on that. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. I thought that was super cool. A little bit funny. But like you were mentioning, speaking about the ship directly and how they used uh, Stormbreaker to power it and use it as a conduit of energy. And the goats were, were the leaders of you know, steering it. To me, it kind of reminded me of Santa's sleigh with the goats being used as a reindeer in it. It gave a little Viking ship vibe. It's like it's like the Viking Santa. <laughs> so that's all I wanted to say about it. Dude, no, that that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's my only thing with like the Bluetooth speaker thing. Like you could definitely tell they kept trying to put comedy in it, like every like minute. But I was cool with that. I thought it was really funny. Um, anyways, so. Uh, at this point, then it's very interesting because on their when they're on their way to this like city of the gods, I'll say it because I always pronounce it wrong. Omnipotent city. I actually said it right there. I think. No, <laughs> omnipotent city. Oh, <laughs> omnipotent city. My bad. Point being, city of the gods. Jane is like talking about wanting a catchphrase because you know Thor always has like a catchphrase, and she says, "Well, what about eat this hammer?" <laughs> I thought it was hysterical. She said a couple other ones, too. Like, Thor said his is, this ends here and now, which is kind of like full circle from the beginning there. Uh, but, you know, she's all about, like, you know, kind of getting this catchphrase. And you can really see uh, Jane's power because she even goes, I'm going to check this out, and just, like, flies off on her own. Almost like someone that hasn't, like, gets all this power and hasn't harnessed it yet, like, learned how to, like, be trained, but is, like, really powerful. Um, and then Valkyrie is, like, walks up to Thor and says, am I sensing feelings? And Thor, like, denies it. And Valkyrie says, at least we're all on the same team. And then Thor looks at her and she goes, Team Jane. <laughs> so I, was, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was great. Um, and then we're back to this weird scene. I don't really know what was up with this, but Gore is like ripping off alien heads. I'll let you go into that, man. I thought it was strange. Yeah, he was like trying to scare the children because, you know, Axel was trying to make them brave and talking to them and trying to build them up. Like, don't worry, Thor's on his way. We're going to be okay at the end of the day. Uh, that's when, you know, Gore 
shows up and is like, oh, well, I'm going to tell a story too. And then ends up scaring the children because he created the shadow monster, then ripped the head off the shadow monster that he created <laughs> and like freaking out. And, and uh, that's when Axel like, tries to you know, take the lead role and say, well, Thor's on his way. And that's when Gore says, yeah, I'm counting on it. <laughs> like, that's like, that's what we wanted to is. do. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was just a really strange thing. <clears throat> and like, yeah, that that's that's the biggest thing I took away from that stuff is you know Gordis is weird trying to scare children, but you know it, it was a weird level of a bad guy, you know. And I don't know if maybe he was trying to you know, just only instill fear, and maybe his only objective was to use the children to lure Thor there. I'm not sure if he would actually have harmed the kids, and that just might stem from his love for his daughter and how he lost his daughter because it didn't seem like he was trying to harm the children. I think he was trying to scare them and only use them as bait. I don't know if he was ever going to actually harm them. So that's a debate maybe we can talk about later at the end. But that's just yeah. a bye-bye guy because it, it didn't seem like he, he never like went up to them or like harmed them or like tried to strike them or anything. It just seemed he wanted to instill fear in them so that way it would drag Thor over there and you know to their realm and they, we're going to find out that the Shadow Realm is kind of his, his home court advantage that we'll, we'll kind of come across in just a bit. But that's what I think. Yeah, we'll talk about this later, but it makes you... You kind of feel sorry for Gore in a way because it's yeah, not like his end. intentions right away were like I just want to kill people, but it, it makes you even wonder. It's kind of like the Horcrux thing <laughs> bringing us back like Harry Potter because this is like corrupting him. So you even kind of wonder, based on we'll get into this later in the end, but like how much of this is really him talking? But um Speaking of, you thought that was weird. This is the next character that's introduced here. That's kind of like a, you know, like definitely someone that's been powerful in the in the fantasy realm. Like he he was weird, man. He yeah, slightly uncomfortable with some of the things he said. If I picked it up correctly, I had to double check on some of the things he was saying there. But I got the quotes just to prove it. But um, Zeus, man, the guy that's supposed to be like the the you know the big one of all and he's kind of fat Russell Crowe has turned into a little chunky little chunkster there he's I, been I agree with you 100% I was expecting when you think of Zeus I think the Disney movie Hercules did a great job of presenting like this big ripped powerful guy with a big beard and you know just like traps that like, are huge and just a muscular person who just seems like he's in control of everything and you know we see this Zeus he number one he's short chunky doesn't look powerful at all it doesn't like he talks with a strange sort of like i don't know accent sort of deal i it just <laughs> doesn't have like a powerful voice that you would expect from the leader of the gods like you you say leader of the gods like boom powerful voice like this and that <laughs> yeah. and like you expect something like that but we get this guy that says it. You're right. I, I was very disappointed, but maybe that was the, the whole deal of it is to see how far like the mighty have fallen from grace or something. I don't yeah. know if maybe that's the case. Maybe he was more you know, prestigious back in the day, but this is just weird that this is how Zeus, the leader of the gods, looks in, in Acts in this movie. So, yeah, let's, let's just take it away. Which, think about this. I want to bring this up on a side note. Dude, he could have looked like a badass. Russell Crowe in Gladiator... That shit was my childhood. Did you ever see Russell Crowe in Gladiator? I did, yes. Dude, he was a badass. He, like, started this whole, like, fighting movie thing. Like, he is definitely, like, one of, like, the icons on fighting films. Like, he could have been a badass. It's like, wow, man, you... (laughs) Wow, not what I expected, but... 
anyways, he has this massive entrance, which was pretty cool. And, and Thor, I, I like how it like shows like Thor was looking up to him so much, almost like he was like one of Thor's like mentors for so long. Like he was inspired to be him like a celebrity. And Thor goes, that's the God that's inspired me. I'm the God of thunder. And you know, he's the God of lightning. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, he's, and he's known for his entrances and he has this big like entrance with all these lightning bolts that come down and he grabs the lightning bolts. And then, Thor is like talking <laughs> during his performance. Like, of course, Jane and Valkyrie, are like, oh yeah, I always wanted to be him. Blah blah blah. And he's like, come down here, and he tells him, you know, come down to the stage. And Thor's like, what are you talking about? Come down, come down. And, like, calls him out in front of everybody. And this is when Thor was telling him that you know, like, Gore's the God Butcher. Like, we're trying to, we need help to fight him, and he's killing gods. And this is what was really weird. He like walks up to him. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I got the exact quote. Maybe I heard wrong. I just, I was very surprised this was in a Marvel film for which family oriented. He goes, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. I want to make sure I get this right. That guy killed a couple of low level gods. Now you go back to your seat and be quiet. Otherwise, you're not going to be invited to the orgy. Is that what he said? I think I have the exact quote. I, unless I heard wrong. No, I think you're right. I think it's orgy or origent. I don't know. I, 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 I heard or I heard orgy too. So if you heard it wrong, I also heard it wrong. I heard the exact same thing. But I, I you know, obviously it could. Maybe it's a word that sounds like it, and we just. You know, heard what we heard. I'm not sure, but I agree with you. That's what I heard as well. And I was wondering if you were going to bring it up. I'm glad you did, because yeah, I was. Like, <laughs> you're not going to be invited to the orgy, so I was. I was curious about that as well. But I, I think that's what he said for sure. I had to do a double take. Like I don't know how that made it into a Disney Plus film. <laughs> like, I just don't know how. Man, I know you released Deadpool on Disney Plus, but man, we are. Interesting, interesting choice of words. And it kind of aided to this whole orgy fact. Not really, but in a way, because Zeus, like... So, one quick thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just Googled yeah, go it, and it. that's exactly what he said. And it has the, the, the clip here. It says, I'll tell you one time. Now you shut up. You be quiet, because you are this close to being uninvited to the orgy. Like, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's the orgy. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah. I was so taken aback. Please, no. Side note. Malice in the chalice. We're going to talk about this. How in the F does something like that make it into a family-oriented film? Like, has Marvel lost their fucking way? Like, what is well, going on, man? I kind of enjoy it in the way that, because what we talked about last week with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, how everything was just mercilessly killing and really dark film. Yeah. And we were talking about how he went under and like the spike through his stomach, very Saruman-esque style and... and you know, uh, Scarlet Witch just destroying everyone, snapping their bodies, you know, cut Captain Carter in half. And, you know, so in a way, I'm really loving the way that Marvel's going in a more adult approach way. Yeah. I think that's cool. You know, so it is going to be hard to explain to some kids like, hey, mom, what's an orgy? <laughs> you know, that's going to be a little bit difficult to explain. But I kind of like how they're, you know, not so much just gearing it towards kids, kids anymore. And not, it's making it so superhero films aren't just for kids. They're still for adults as well. And you know, get yeah. that, that sort of humor. And so, yeah, I, I, I have no problem with it. You know, at the end of the day, that these are movies where you're seeing people 
die in the big battles and you know they're sad and intense moments that's gonna be adult oriented sometimes and these are some things that are gonna come up i don't mind it at all yeah i mean it's it's definitely um i mean maybe that's a good thing like you said i mean now not just the whole like quantity quality thing but yeah you've definitely seen how they've definitely developed from just an iron man movie 10 years ago that was like you know supposed to be for like the whole family so it's i i mean i was just so like i had to do double take i was like did i hear that correctly what you just said (laughs) did i hear what you just said but okay yeah so malice in the chalice (laughs) off to uh gore's realm here the land of the shadows man so back to where we were so and then he like I guess because his his breath is so powerful, he blows Thor's clothes off, aiding to the orgy, I guess. Aiding to the orgy. (laughs) And uh, he conjures, this was interesting, it kind of reminded me of my own rewrite. Like, the lightning chains come up from the ground and bind him there. So that was pretty cool. And at this point, Thor goes... Oh, how the mighty have fallen and are afraid. <laughs> Going straight to what Jay Nelly said. Full circle moment there. And I have this exact quote too. Zeus goes, you can definitely tell how like Zeus doesn't give a fuck. Like he likes his little plays, man. He goes, I know you think you're helping and do the honorable thing. When all you do is cause panic. Gore has the necro sword. Not, not good. Which can kill us. Not good. We are safe here. So have some wine and some grape. Be quiet, baby cake. We are safe here. Now, I'll put your clothes back on. Anything goes in the omni- omnipotent city. It's <laughs> <is> very weird. <laughs> have some wine, have some grape, enjoy some orgy. <laughs> and on top of that, too, let's think about what that really signifies. Zeus is basically admitting to being afraid, which is, yeah. what the hell? You're supposed to be this, the, the leader of the all-powerful gods, and you're afraid of one villain because he has a sword that could potentially harm you? What is going on here with this guy? It was very, very strange. So, yeah, no, good point, but uh, keep it rolling. So then Zeus tells them that, uh, that of course, they intend to stay there, like I said. But then Thor uh, basically doesn't, doesn't agree with it at all. And Valkyrie jumps in the center uh, when basically Zeus tells him, because of what you just did and you're telling us these things, and we don't want to cause a panic, you have to stay here. Like, you are not allowed to leave. So Valkyrie jumps in and causes this massive fight that breaks out between all these other gods and Valkyrie and and Thor, and they have, like, all the lightning paint is kind of on them as everyone's bursting in his hand. Go into that. No, that's not so much into that. I thought, like, right before this battle breaks out that you're going to, I think you're doing a great job of breaking down the battle, but remember yeah. when they all stand up and Zeus is like, we need to, we need to undercover these people as well because they're two females and he was gonna blow yeah. their clothes off. Like no 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 no. But they took they, they took their robes <laughs> they took their robes off real quick. Like like wait this is who we are this is who we are because <laughs> obviously he's gonna pose a big problem because he blew Thor's clothes off and he was completely naked. They, he just like blew both Jane Foster and Valkyrie's clothes off and they're just like fully naked women there. It's like I don't no 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 we're taking our clothes off. This, this <laughs> is who we are. This is who we are. So I just thought that was really cool and uh, yeah I'll continue through the battle for sure. <laughs> have some wine have some great baby cake blow their clothes off <laughs> interesting man anyways um so then the battle happens and one thing that happens very interesting so korg gets struck into like a thousand rock pieces and you think korg is dead and then korg is still alive and he says 
Turns out the only part that's alive in a Korg is his mouth. So Valkyrie attaches the front of Korg's face to the back of her head and just keeps kicking ass like one by one. Valkyrie's a badass, man. And she's just taking each god on one by one. And then they call, they whistle to the goats. The screaming goats come in on the spaceship or the space boat and rescues the group. And then they're taken off. And then this is... Wait, yeah, did you have anything you want to Yes, on? there's a big, big part that you need me to cover on that. Is after yeah. Zeus hits Korg with the Thunderbolt, it comes back to him and Zeus grabs it yeah. and la- launches it at Thor. Thor catches it, spins around and launches it back through Zeus's chest. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, that was a yeah. huge thing. Like mm-hmm. you're like left there thinking, damn, Thor just killed Zeus because he falls yeah. off that platform and hits the ground. So you're like, shit, Thor just killed Zeus and took his Thunderbolt now because he wanted to borrow that weapon anyways. And it, I also thought this was good, like an interesting thing is it, it, Thor and Stormbreaker's relationship was on the rocks because not only was he you know flirting <laughs> with Mjolnir or the other hammer, now he wants to play with Zeus's Thunderbolt, which you'll get into in a second when he ends up giving it to Valkyrie. But no, we, we, we're left from leaving yeah. Omnipotent City thinking Zeus is probably dead. He hit, he hit the lightning bolt yeah. right through his chest. So uh, then you know, that's when they get rescued by the goats and the Viking ship and they get out of there. Bala, you go ahead and continue from there. Yeah, no, it was perfect. Um, and then Thor has this like moment with Jane as Korg sings some weird song about rocks making babies. Did you get the words to that? I don't know what that was. No, I did it. I just left it alone. <laughs> it's like rocks, rocks, hookup or something. It was weird. Go look it up yourself. <laughs> Anyways, you know, and then Jane and Thor are on the ship and they're checking out some space dolphins. Very interesting scene here as, you know, like he was... He has this moment with Stormbreaker that's powering the ship, hands Stormbreaker his first beer, pours the beer on Stormbreaker. Interesting stuff, man. And then Thor tells Jane, I want to feel shitty about something. And that something is you. And it's that full circle moment back to Star-Lord about him telling him about Gamora. And that's when, uh, you know, Jane starts to tear up, but she tells him that she has cancer. And then Thor tells Jane that whatever they want, they can always do together. And Mjolnir chose her because she was worthy. And that goes back to what you were saying. And then, of course, they have that big kiss moment, you know, getting back together. You know, it's getting hot in here. And whatever Valkyrie was playing, it was... Uh, get my cookies out the jar. Is that Sierra song? Actually, I used to be Sierra's. Uh, oh, my goodies! Driver. You're talking about my, my goodies. goodies. Yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, side story. Uh, I actually used to be uh, Sierra's driver at the airport for when she would come into Atlanta. So shout out to Sierra if you're listening. I always like that cookie song. <laughs> anyway, it's so- my goodies. It's not cookies. <laughs> oh, I thought it said something. Oh, I've always thought it talked about your cookies in a jar. No, I'm mixing it up with can't keep my hands out the cookie jar. Had those mixed up. Well, I'm sure the goodies one is a good one, too. (laughs) Anyways, okay, back to it. So uh, then Korg says something that is actually really short foreshadowing here, kind of. He goes, do you think these two will ever hold hands over hot lava and make a Thor baby? And Valkyrie says that's unlikely. Kind of foreshadowing there, if you think about it. And uh, then we kind of jump over to the cage again. Did you have anything in between there you wanted to add? 
Nope. The only thing I was going to say was just a, quenny, a funny little quip that Thor had mentioned when he was talking to Jane in that one-on-one. And he's like, well, what have you been doing since you found out you have cancer? And she's like, I tried meditating. Just made it worse. He's like, he's like, yeah, actually, I tried meditating too. It makes me angrier. <laughs> like, he's like, I just thought that was really cool. But no, I've got nothing important between that before they get to the Shadow Realm. So take it away. Awesome. Yeah, so they go back to the cage and get to the Shadow Realm, get to their spot here where they're trying to arrive. And the cage is empty and the kids aren't there. And they find out Gore has set up a trap. And Jane realizes that Stormbreaker is what he's after. And right as the trap is happening, she throws Stormbreaker outside. And Thor goes, mind telling me why you just threw Stormbreaker out the window? And Jane goes, he needs it to open the gates of eternity. So he's trying to open up this portal. And then Gore traps the group and... And then demands Thor, he says, call the axe. And um, this was, I really like kind of this dialogue here because it's a lot of very intense stuff. He kind of gets kind of nasty with Jane in a way. And Gore has got them all tied up. I called it like Devil Snare from Harry Potter, man. It was like Devil Snare. He had him in the vines and stuff. And they were locked up, choking him. And Gore says uh, to Valkyrie, you went to the gods for help, and they did nothing. We're alike in that sense. And Valkyrie says, he's nothing like you. And Gore mocks Valkyrie and is telling her, reminding her of her girlfriend that died on the battlefield and all these people dying. And then he walks over to Jane and goes, you're dying. We're on the same path. Just like the sword empowers me, the hammer empowers you. The gods will use you. But they will not help you. There is no eternal reward. <laughs> Which is, I thought was a really cool quote they put in there because it goes back to the beginning there. Um, and he keeps demanding that Gore calls the axe and he's choking Jane out with these vines. And she's like dying almost in front of Thor, which calls him to call, call Stormbreaker. Like he finally breaks, call Stormbreaker. And then the group goes outside and like kind of flies outside. And the group is surrounded by all the shadow monsters that Gore has had there and trapped him there. And they engage in combat. Valkyrie is fighting one-on-one with Gore. I thought that was badass. She was holding her own for a bit there. And she was fighting with the lightning bolt that they got from Zeus uh, that they that Thor threw, uh, threw, threw Zeus. <laughs> and uh, But despite like stabbing Gore and getting kind of a one-up on him, he gets behind her and stabs her through the stomach. And with the lightning yeah. bolt, not with the necrosword. Just so she, he yeah, took the lightning, the bolt lightning bolt from her and like kind of did a, all right, you got me with the lightning bolt, and I just got you with the lightning bolt, stabbed her through the back, through the stomach, with the lightning bolt. Just want to make sure it's not people don't think it's with the necrosword because it was a necrosword, but it'd be a whole different discussion. Yeah, but, yeah, so, yeah. a whole other thing. But yeah, with the lightning bolt. So she's like wounded and down at this point. So Thor calls Stormbreaker, and the group has to retreat. But as they're retreating and he calls Stormbreaker to cause, you know, that big like portal bridge that they always do to save them, just like they did in Infinity War to get off the spaceship, Gore manages to grab Stormbreaker and pulls it down and they're forced to leave without Stormbreaker. And then they get through the portal. Jane is her sixth self again. 
And then the doctor, they're in this doctor's office, and Thor is there, and, you know, he's pissed. He's beating up vending machines. <laughs> and uh, the doctor tells Thor that the hammer is causing her to be unable to fight the cancer, and she's dying. Um, and then Thor and Jane kind of have this one-on-one -on -one moment, and Thor tells Jane he loves her, and he needs her to stay behind so she can try to keep fighting the cancer. As much as he wants to be on the battlefield with her, she can't. But because, um, and because of course Jane is sick and Valkyrie is wounded, Thor is going to be forced to go alone. But Jane agrees to stay because she cares for Thor so much. Uh, Valkyrie tells Thor he has to destroy the Necker Sword to kill Gore because it's his source of power so that's really important so gore is using stormbreaker at this point to try to open up a door to eternity is that what it was yeah, yes just real quick on that too but the conversation between valkyrie and thor it ends up because you're right he ends up going alone but it's really important to notate that valkyrie gives zeus's thunderbolt to thor to use because obviously gore has yeah. stormbreaker so and mjolnir is back with jane so the weapon that Thor goes to fight Gore with is Zeus's lightning bolt. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, so, but as he's trying to open up this door to eternity, Thor interrupts him and arrives. And he, I, correct me if I'm wrong, he like threw a celestial's head to get in there or something. Did you see that? Yeah, I don't know really what that was. I don't know if it's a celestial's head or some sort of, you know, large, I don't know, metal contraption. I'm not really sure what it was, but. I, I don't I don't know if it was Celestial's head because Celestial heads are a lot bigger than that. Usually, you know, bigger than the actual planet itself. So I'm not really kind of yeah. sure what it was. I think it might have just been a, a big metal contraption that might have resembled a Celestial's head. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Not not sure. But anyways, he arrives, and then the shadow monsters, of course, are all there, and then he they know they're outnumbered. So Thor asks the kids if they have battle experience. They're all like, what? <laughs> like, we're just kids, you know? And then Thor um, tells the kids to find anything they can and bring it back. So basically they can use it as a weapon. And Thor calls them space Vikings. <laughs> and then he goes, present arms. <laughs> and then they present everything they found. One even has this, like... This little stuffed animal bunny <laughs> that she's brought with her, which is badass. And he said, for a limited time only, you will all possess the power of Thor. And he gives them his power and he creates like this kid army of like demigods, which is badass. And then so and Thor is fighting with Zeus's lightning bolt. And then the kids just start kicking ass against the shadow monsters. My favorite part of this was the little girl with the bunny like it's shooting lightning out of its eyes as she's like turning around and like taking out rows of them it was awesome and then the hammer all of a sudden well uh continues to call oh yeah go so for it. before the hammer part happens i just think that this is a very symbolic moment here because mm -hmm. we have got thor one-on-one -on -one with gore and gore has the necro sword which has the ability to kill gods Thor has Zeus's lightning bolt, which is the leader of the gods' primary weapon. So we got like, the ultimate good guy weapon versus the ultimate bad guy weapon, and they're coming to like a clash. And I just think that's a really cool, you know, sequence of, of what to happen, and maybe some make uh, like a metaphor or you know just I, I thought that was just really interesting to to draw attention to when you really think about it and break it down. So I just want to mention that. Absolutely, no, it was awesome, and 
Uh, so back in the hospital, we get kind of this cut back to the hospital, and Mjolnir is like has static lightning around it, and is raised like suspended in midair, and is looking at Jane. You know, it doesn't really have eyes, <laughs> but anyways, um, you know, is next to Jane, and you can see something's going on with that. And Gore, back to the battle, knocks Thor down and is attempting to stab him with the Necker Sword. And he's holding it up by his hands. Like, it's coming close here. Like, this is a pretty intense moment. And, it, yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of, wasn't it in, in Troy? Where, like, someone got, like, stabbed and it was, like, really close to their eye or something. I think there was, like, a battle movie with that happen. I can't remember what it was. But it was really close to someone's eye, and they, like, stopped it. Can't remember what that was. But. I don't think it was Troy, but I kind of remember what you were talking about. Maybe it was 300. I don't know. It was something along. It was one of those type of movies. You're right. But I don't believe it was Troy. Um, but, yeah, like the, the, the weapon was about to go through the eye, and he grabs it and, like, tries to hold it back. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what I it was I don't remember from, the movie though. either, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, maybe I'll, maybe it was like Russell Crowe and Gladiator. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Like, I don't I don't know. Anyways, but yeah, he was like holding it back, right? And um, man, that's gonna bug me all day <laughs> thinking about that one with the eye. Anyways, um, so yeah, he's holding it back, and then all of a sudden, completely. We're not gonna say completely, and all of a sudden, like I used to take two shots, take two shots on me. Anyways, enjoy some grape, have some wine. <laughs> and then the the Mjolnir knocks Gore off of him, and Jane is flying in on Pegasus, which is how she got there, and then just starts kicking ass, and Gore goes, Lady Thor? And Jane goes, first off, it's Mighty Thor. And then she hits the ground with her lightning, strikes the shadow monsters. Second, I'll accept Dr. Jane Foster. And then hits the ground again. And then goes and hits hits Gore and goes, Thirdly, eat my hammer. <laughs> and it was awesome. It was fantastic. Thor unlodges Stormbreaker and then throws it. Uh, throws it as he's wielding it. And then Jane and Thor together are attacking Gore one-on-one. -on -one. And then Jane together with Thor uh, lifts up and then they break the top of the Necro Sword as they're coming down on Gore. The hilt still remains and Jane knows she has to destroy it entirely. Yeah, take a shot. I didn't say completely. And then and it, all that's left is the hilt. It's almost like Game of Thrones. Uh, not Game of Thrones. Well, Lord of the Rings, where remember Frodo got stabbed with the sword and only the hilt remained like that. And then Thor looks at Jane and just goes, Jane. And Jane says, it's okay. We have to stop him. Jane lifts Mjolnir above her head, smashes the hammer entirely into pieces like it was before with all her power. And then lightning surrounds the place and then destroys the Necro Sword. And then Thor and Jane see Gore, and the sword is just dissolved entirely, and Gore is no longer cursed. And then Gore sees Thor into this realm that they've gone in, and he no longer has the curse on him. He's back to the normal way he was at the beginning of the film, but Jane is sick again. Thor tells Gore, 
what you're doing here, this isn't the way, and to choose love. <clears throat> and Gore tells Thor that, you know, his his daughter will be alone and, and he's dying. And then Jane tells Gore that she won't be alone and Gore sees his daughter. Jane says, ever since I picked up that hammer, it's like I was given an extra life to Thor. Not too bad for a human. Thor says, not too bad for a god. And Jane says, I figured out my catchphrase. And she whispers it and kisses Thor. And then she uh, tells him that she loves him. And Jane dissolves away is what happens. One thing I was going to just add to that is what we end up happening after the, the the whole thing goes away and they end up in that little pool area that he act gore actually won right he has the key to attorney right. and he's able to make this wish to kill all the gods if he wants to like he's able yep. to do it like he ended up winning he like and very similarly to the multiverse of madness that we just talked about last week scarlet witch could have won if she decided to but her yeah. they were able to get through to her conscious because she saw the kids you know terrified of her and realized that she would never be a mother to them because they had their mother and she would they would never look to her like that Some, similar to here gore won he had the eternity ready there ready to grant his wish and that because thor made one last you know request to him is like hey choose love instead of you know all this murderous stuff Use your wish to bring your daughter back, and that's why you're mentioning like you know the whole conversation between Jane and Gore with her, like him being like, well, she's gonna be alone, and she's like, no, she won't be alone. So Gore actually you know got to the point where he could have you know accomplished his mission and killed all the gods, but because they talked him into it, and he was able to see the love that Thor and Jane had for each other. I think maybe played a little part into like okay, like let me make this one last decision as I'm dying anyways. You know the sword's broken, so my power is going to be gone, and I'm going to die. You know, let me let me do like the right thing here at the last moment of my last breath. So I just thought that was important to notate. Yeah, and that's a big point too, because it's kind of like Howard. You know, I brought up the point of the Horcruxes. Like, I think this is the only way they were able to actually talk him out of that was he had to be broken from that curse. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have been as reasonable, I would assume. But. Um, after she dissolves away, Gore begins to die, and he tells Thor to protect his daughter. And then it cuts to back in New Asgard. I thought this was funny. So, of well, course, just we one, have... One yeah, time, because I, I had mentioned this in the very, very beginning when I said mm-hmm. there's going to be a full circle moment how his daughter died in his arms. Well, now it's a full circle the opposite way where he died in his daughter's arms on yeah. that thing there. So I thought that was really important, you know. This is like we were talking. You already mentioned about like the Jane Foster whispering the catchphrase into Thor's ear, and we never get to hear what that catchphrase is. You know, she tells him, you know, to keep his heart open and that she loves him, and he says he loves you too. That's when she disintegrates in the golden dust. But the big full circle after that is as Gore is laying dying. It's, it was the exact scene kind of that we saw in the very beginning in the sand where he was holding her and she was dying. Well, now. He, she is holding him and he's dying so i just wanted to really kind of touch on that full circle between gore and his daughter i thought that was cool how you know it kind of starts how it finishes there in that end there so i just want to mention that absolutely i have a question about that too so is this his daughter from like another universe or was she like revived or something i think she was just because the eternity grants you any wish at all so i don't think it's a multiversal thing where they just bring in a new one with his daughter from another universe i think it was the daughter that died was brought back to life to him that's what i think okay gotcha gotcha um so then back in new asgard 
Korg is like telling the story of the legend of the mighty Thor, which was Jane. And you see a statue of Jane with Mjolnir. And that was awesome. You see Valkyrie again. I thought it was cool. If you looked at her jersey, it's an NBA basketball jersey. It almost looks like the Sacramento Kings, but it was like the Asgardian Kings, <laughs> which was awesome. And she's training people. Um, Sif is actually helping train some of the kids, and she has one arm now. Uh, so, you know, she she's getting back in fighting. Still alive. Spirit. She didn't die. Yeah. It's great stuff, man. Great stuff. And um, then Thor is making Gore's daughter pancakes, calls him flapjacks. One thing you missed right before that, what did we find out? Korg grew his body back. That was that important there. there. So, like, Gore got his body back. back. So, Sif's still alive. Korg got his body back. Valkyrie survived the attack from the bolt that Gore put through her. So, most of the, like, the, the pretty good happy ending for the most part here of what's coming up. You know, obviously, the Jane passed away and Gore ended up dying, but kind of came back to the good side at the very, very end. But good news is, we still have some you know positive things to hang our hat on here. So I'll let, I'll let you continue on. Absolutely. And I, I thought this was really cool because it starts to get into some really cool like full circle moments kind of thing. Uh, and <laughs> Thor tells her to change her boots. And she's like, I don't want, no. Like, I, I want to wear these. And then she goes, go to hell, demon. And <laughs> shoots purple lasers out of her eyes at Thor. And he stops it with a frying pan. <laughs> So you definitely see she's got powers too, which is really cool. So you never know. She could play like a role in the future. And uh, she agrees to change her boots and wear what Thor told her to wear. And Thor picks up uh, Mjolnir and Mjolnir's there again. And it, there's a face painted in chalk on it. It's almost like where I said before, is looking at Jane. Now it actually does have a face that she's painted on it. And then he, uh, you know, Thor was kind of like, goes, oh, what's this? And she just goes, I love you, Uncle Thor. And then it was super cool because Thor finally gets back, which was originally his first love here. Mjolnir, they go get this like call to go save the world again. They run out. Thor's wielding Mjolnir and Gore's daughter is wielding Stormbreaker, which is awesome. And they set up to save people. And Korg says, says they are now known as Love and Thunder, which is really cool. Um, yeah, go for it. No, the only thing I was going to add to that, too, is it, that's another full circle how that they're known as Love and Thunder. Because Ooh. as Gore lay dying in the, right before the opening of Eternity there, and Jane told him, choose love, like choose love, that's what the name of the, her, the daughter now is. Like, he chose his daughter. He chose love. So they, they call her yes. love now. So that's why he said they're simply known as love and thunder. Because obviously uh, Thor is a god of thunder. So I just thought that's a beautiful symmetry that they, they aligned there as well with the name of Gore's daughter. Called her love. And because they told him to choose love. And hey, he chose his daughter instead of destroying all the gods. So just wanted to make sure that people didn't miss it. Absolutely. No, that's fantastic. And... um. Then at this point, it was kind of interesting because you have the song Sweet Child of Mine is playing. So, you know, they definitely have the Guns of Roses vibe. And uh, on top of that, that's another on. full circle, too, because the Sweet yeah. Child of Mine and he's kind of taken on the role of her father. So that they did a really good job with kind of piecing everything and, and tying it in together at the end. So I will give him that credit for sure. Yeah, so it was good. And 
But it's not over yet. We got two after credit scenes. <laughs> awesome. So after the credits, the first one shows up. And the guy you thought was dead. Like Jay Nelly says, never believe it until you see the body. <laughs> until you see the body. And uh, you see that Zeus is alive and is calling someone for help. And he says, they will fear us again when Thor Odin falls from the sky. Do you understand me, Hercules? Do you understand me? my son and hercules is shown so now you see he's gonna play a role in the future which is really cool and then right when you thought you would get some bullshit after credit scene that didn't matter it's kind of a pretty big one uh it cuts to jane is in valhalla and is greeted by himdall and himdall even says thank you for watching over my son which made me kind of think of like Astrid as Axel, which we confirmed that today, and she arrives and um, and Himdall like welcomes her into Valhalla. So, and that's how it ends, man. What are your takeaways on Thor: Love and Thunder? Yeah, I'll give you my takeaways in just a minute. I wanted to talk about that first after credit scene too, because I think this is going to lead into some of my debates that I have today with the, the whole sh- the camera panning to Hercules. And he picks up his weapons because you know, he says, uh, when he mentioned it, he said, they will fear us again. Do you understand me, Hercules? Do you understand me, my son? And the camera pans Hercules and he replies, yes, my father. And he picks up his weapons and preparing for battle. Like, he's ready to go to war. And it's, it's like, oh, shit. Like, if we think where this is going to go, where we think it's going to go, this is going to be really cool in the future. Uh, yeah. But then the second one, too, as well. I thought that was important that she didn't just appear in Valhalla. It's that golden dust that she disintegrated into. It, it floated to Valhalla and then reformed into her body that we saw. Her in, and that's when she was welcomed into Valhalla by Hemadol. So uh, that's, those are the things I had there. But as an overall takeaway from the film, you know, I, I'll be honest, guys. I watched this twice. And the first time I watched it, I wasn't in the exact right frame of mind, But I fell asleep during the last little bit of it. And I, it's, it wasn't my cup of tea. I watched it again. And it did grow on me. So some of the takeaways I have from it, and I guess the issues why I maybe didn't love it as much as some of other Marvel films is that, and, and I know we've kind of mentioned it a little bit, it seemed like a lot of forced comedy. You know, for me, where, where I think their bread and butter are talking about Marvel is when they have, a, they, you can't make every single film all sorts of forced humor or comedy driven. You know, we have to have some characters that stick to who they are and like how they grew because there, there wasn't a ton of comedy in the other Thor movies it would be one thing if that's how they started with him but it seems like they're trying to force that now because I think the two that come to mind that just were like that from the very very beginning is Deadpool and I know the first Deadpool wasn't Marvel at the time right so I you know I, we can even kind of take Deadpool out of there because it wasn't Marvel at the time the first one and back in 2016 when it dropped but also Guardians of the Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy was supposed to be funny from the very very first one I can accept that I don't like how it's a serious character and, you know, for the first two Thors for sure, you know, Ragnarok was a little bit more uh, comedic in, in a way. And now this one just really, you know, dr- tried to drive the comedy to you. So it just seemed a little bit forced on that end. Uh, that, that's the one of my biggest complaints I would say about the film. Also, like, I do like characters or Thor's character progression throughout. You know, he kind of shows him coming out of his depression after losing Loki. And it was kind of funny when Korg was going through his, and he's like, he lost his brother again and his brother again 
and his brother again. And it was showing all the times that Loki died over and over again. But the point being, I was mentioning that, is it was great to kind of see him and his character progression come, come out of that. And now he has this new role as, you know, not just a God of Thunder, but the, the, as a father figure to, like, one of his mortal enemies. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It was just interesting how it came to be. And I, and I like the symmetry of it and how it ended up in its totality. But uh, a lot of the, the, the Force teamer was lost on me and the fact that like okay that's enough guys like let's get let's get to the storyline here and i don't know it just seemed really interesting that now the the trope that i'm picking up on and the continuous thing that i'm I'm wondering if we're gonna see in these marvel films going forward is if these bad guys are technically winning but choose to make the right decision at the end because we saw it with the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, and now we're seeing it again in Thor: Love and Thunder. Is this gonna be something that we're gonna see consistently? Like, oh, the bad guys end up winning, but you know they're talked into making the right choice at the last second for redemption. I don't know, you know. So that that's another thing where you know that that's. I wonder if that's just what we're gonna see from now on, you know. So that that's another question I have. And overall, it was a good film. It wasn't my favorite of all the Thors, you know. I think maybe it was a little bit better than the Dark Elf side of stuff, maybe. But yeah, I'd probably put Ragnarok 1, maybe this 2 behind it, and then the Thor, original Thor 3, and then, you know, the Dark Elf 1, 4 of all the Thors so far. But anyways, when it comes to the overall grand scheme of Marvel, um, it, it doesn't really crack anywhere near my top favorites. It was an enjoyable film for me at best, I, but... I don't know, and, and you like it might have seemed some of the things rushed, but I do know for a fact we were at least told about this. Anyways, I can't say a fact. This is coming from the director's mouth, but they were required to keep the film's runtime under two hours. Like that was a requirement, and so maybe that has a, an effect on maybe what we thought could have been rushed or how this characters came in, came out real quick, talking about the villain side of things, and now we're stuck with his daughter now potentially becoming part of the, like, I wouldn't say the Avengers, but the good guys going forward in the next phases of Marvel. So I'm not really sure, but that though that could have definitely played a, a factor in it, having to keep the runtime at two hours or under. So, you know, I'm not going to necessarily, like, lay blame there, but as a, as a whole, wasn't my favorite Marvel film, wasn't my least favorite Marvel film. I would give this on a scale of 1 to 10. I'll give it a 7.4 out of 10. And that's kind of my takeaways and my numeric grade for it. What about you? Hey, C's get degrees, man. <laughs> C's get degrees. No, I, I have the same issues. Um, it, yeah, it definitely feels like they're trying to put a lot of forced comedy into it. Uh the only kind of letdown for me is, you know, they hyped up this film for so long, and Thor Ragnarok was such like a big high note it left out on, like fighting Helena and all, like they had to destroy the entire planet just to beat her. Um, you know, Gore is called the God Butcher, so I thought it'd be a little bit more like menacing in a way. He was kind of more like demonic, is the way they kind of made him. Um, and I just felt like it was a little bit rushed with how uh jane foster became the mighty thor like it was kind of like okay i found this in a book you know the pop-up book from lord of the rings <laughs> like here we go but um yeah i'm the same way like it wasn't terrible like it wasn't something where i'm like wow that was dog shit <laughs> like, it, was, it was it was okay like it was a passable like fun it was a straight fun movie to watch in the theater where you know, if I wasn't taking notes the whole time, like I probably wouldn't see it again. But if I saw it like the first time, I'm like, you know, this is fun to watch with my popcorn. Like I didn't hate it. Like that was interesting. Like I enjoyed 
I once I same thing once I saw it the second time I realized like the cool like f- full circle moments they were kind of throwing in there um so I mean I would give it a C same thing I would I would rank it with all the Thor films I don't know I didn't mind the dark world I thought the dark world was good I, I like the elves in there really like the elves I would probably rank this last on the thor films <laughs> I would rank it. uh this one thor love and thunder number four number three thor the dark world <laughs> number two thor and number one thor ragnarok i, I guess <laughs> i mean i guess that's how i do it but i don't mind it i mean i've definitely seen worse uh, cough cough eternals was dog shit <laughs> so, like, sorry and you know we were really looking forward to that out a lot of the game of thrones gas in it um but yeah i didn't mind it man like it was okay um what debates did you have for today i had a couple of them soon just one last takeaway that you actually reminded me of as you were talking about the the god butcher and how i thought you were gonna he was gonna be more menacing i also agree with that in my mind we don't actually see him kill many gods you know I, like let's build up the actual fear of why zeus was a little bit nervous of this guy you know but all we saw was the aftermath right we saw you know the snow god or whatever we just saw them laying dead but we never actually saw these gods trying to use all their power and this god butcher just taking it to him and really slaying these you know well-known gods i wish we had got to see that on screen and be like oh wow like this guy took out xyz you see how he did that he made that look easy i just would have loved to see the progression of how strong the God Butcher really truly is because we don't really see it. And then at the end, it was, it was like a one-on-one, you know, until, you know, Jane ended up saving the day. He was about to kill Thor, but at the end, I just, I really wish we would have seen him really strike the fear into the gods at Omnipotent City. Like, that's why they didn't want to join in the fight. This is like, hey, you know, and now Zeus had mentioned it and he said, look, he's got the Necrosword. It can harm us. Yes, we're a little afraid. But, you know, we're safe here all together. He's not going to come after all of us in this one big like group. So I would just love to see why people, like the other gods feared him or specifically why Zeus kind of feared him. It would be nice to see him just take out gods who, you know, maybe we had th- heard about in Greek mythology or whatever the case may be. And him just like mow through them and make it look crazy easy to kill one of these gods. And that's why he's making these gods look mortal and it's freaking everyone out. I would have loved to see something like that, but we didn't get it. All we saw was the aftermath of a few gods laying dead and like that was it. So I like that kind of leads to the rushed aspect of it. But really would have loved to see the progression of how at his peak, his evil peak, how dangerous the God Butcher was. So I don't know. Do you agree with that before we jump into the debates or what? Absolutely. And I guess I'll say I'll give it a ranking too. I'll give it... I'll be generous. 7.5. I mean, I think that's what it's worthy of. That's what I would say about that. But yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, for someone that's labeled the God Butcher, you would have thought you would have saw him like hacking off heads and all sorts of things, man. I mean, they didn't have a problem putting the word orgy in there. So I don't <laughs> see what the other problem is, but you know, all right. But yeah, what debates did he have? So one of my debates has to do with the, after, the first after credit scene. So obviously we've got Hercules introduced here. Are we going to kind of, do you believe going forward in Marvel, not only are we introducing, obviously we've seen they're going to be introducing the X-Men pretty soon because we got you know Doc, uh, Professor X you know, in Multiverse of Madness and then obviously Deadpool with, them, with the Disney purchase of Fox. Are we going to start incorporating Greek mythology into Marvel? Because like obviously we got Zeus here in this film, so we can say along, along those lines, 
because I know that you know, one of the, our favorite movies, and we always talk about it, is, is uh, um, Troy. And so we're always like, hey, you know what? Do we ever at some point talk about this film? Well, it maybe not has to do with specifically with fantasy fiction. So, you know, let, let's just kind of stay away from it. But now, if we're going to have all of these Greek mythology characters pushed into it, is this going to be the next trope of Marvel where we're getting, you know, all these gods from other mythology, like myth- mythological you know, viewpoints maybe from the Romans and the Greeks and whatever it may be, are these going to play a role? And if they are going to play a role, you know, did we just open up a new, not so much can of worms, but a whole new area where we can dive into? So I'm just kind of curious of what do you think uh, from a character aspect and, you know, where they're pulling these new individuals from? Are we are we going to get a blend of superhero films mixed with Greek mythology, mixed with other maybe nations thoughts on you know theology when it comes to gods and things of that nature so just kind of question for there for you for my first one yeah i think it could be i mean if you kind of think about now what they're pulling in i mean if you think about thor himself being like the god of thunder besides like maybe like thanos and that sort of thing what really is like a difficult match for him like you would have to have some sort of like god or something like hercules now like hercules has always been like you know the strongest god really with his strength he even fought you know the hydra which is ironic (laughs) like you think of the other hydra with captain america but the three-headed dragon and um all these other things so i I think you very well could it kind of could be like um god of war you know that video game where then they had that new one where he was like older with his son and then it's not as much the Norse gods anymore. Now you have like the, well, it's not as much as like the Olympian gods. Now they're going to the Norse gods. So it could be kind of like the opposite of that maybe. Um, Now, you know, Odin's gone. Now you have Zeus, right? So I think it definitely opens up a whole nother avenue. I mean, they could basically do whatever they want at this point. (laughs) Now they have the multiverse. So I, I think it very well could be, and Hercules would be a beast on his own. It would be awesome to see, like, Hercules done right. And if you see, like, all these monsters fought and all these things that come about from this, and, like, a team-up with Hercules and Thor, like, that would be badass to see. So I'm all for it, man. I, I think it would be awesome. It, it definitely opens up a whole nother avenue now really like imagine if hades gets brought in there like holy shit like i would be fucking cool to see so i don't know yeah it's it's interesting to think about but you know obviously where this kind of leads it doesn't seem like hercules and thor are going to team up it seems like they're going to be pitted against each other and you know i'm assuming just just out of predictive context of things i've seen it'll eventually get to the point where either one defeats the other but they'll end up teaming up realizing it's the right thing to do overall and i'm sure we'll get hercules yeah. along for the ride with the rest of them or maybe the, you know this is just a quick entry with greek mythology and then like you know one defeats the other and like it just cut, cuts out and them out of there i guess that's a possibility too but let's say it does go and it does play like you know the advocate of you know we are opening up this avenue to greek mythology and these other characters that we can bring in and out at that point you know it'd be really cool to see other characters be brought in you know, obviously we're talking about hercules but imagine you know achilles you know imagine you know like this whole other thing too as well because he's one of the most legendary warriors that are talked about right so just we we have all these different avenues for you know things to come up in a mixture of different genres and it's kind of a beautiful thing you know i, I think that's it's pretty great now and the other question i have and it has to do with the same sort of deal because Here's what I think might happen, or at least what should happen. 
now that we got Hercules on screen, I don't believe he should be rushed into a film where he's fighting, you know, Thor or the other you know, the gods that Zeus wants him to, you know, teach respect to. Right? That's the whole thing. He's like, yeah, they will respect us again. Do you understand me? Like, that's what Zeus would tell him. So I don't think it should jump into that. I think we should get a really well done Hercules origin story. It's almost like a live action remake of the Disney film, but more realistic and not so, you know, grandeur focused. But how he came from like a farmhand to the realizing his full potential. So that way we can see, we can kind of develop that connection to Hercules and grow with him. And to the point where Zeus, this Zeus here has poisoned his mind to, okay, now you've got to fight these people who are actually good guys for the most part. You know, they're trying to keep peace throughout the, the galaxies. But, you know, how it came from him trying to save worlds and save things to getting put, pitted against other quote-unquote good guys. I think that would be really cool to see, like, a Hercules origin story. Maybe give him three films, like you give Iron Man, like you give Thor, like you give Hulk, like you give, you know, whoever else, uh, Captain America. So I think it would be really cool to get maybe three, three Hercules films really done well by the Marvel cast, uh, not the cast, but the Marvel production team of Disney. I think that would be really, really cool. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? I think it'd be awesome to see. Uh, what's funny too that you mentioned that, ironically, Disney—that of course, Disney is the big motherboard <laughs> that owns all this. Ironically, they're in pre-production right now for a live-action Hercules, just like they did Lion King and stuff. So interesting how that would be. But I think that would be awesome to see if they did it right. I mean, they had that thing with like The Rock trying to do that years ago, and just we saw what a shit show that was. Like, absolutely not. Like, I think it would have to be done right. Like, I and I, I really like, I think it would be cool if that's the way they found a way to introduce, like, Hades and, uh, you know, the Titans. Remember in the Disney film, like, they had the Titans, like, something like that. Like, that would be badass. You're bringing Celestials now, and you're trying to get to this whole Galactus thing. Like, what's the one thing that would probably, like, be as as threatening as Galactus and Celestials. Fucking Titans. Like, that would be badass. So, or something like that. I'm all for it, man. I, I think it'd be a great idea. Awesome. Yeah, I do too. And I would like to see maybe Zeus's fall from grace due to where we, I mean, you were talking about like, how the hell did yeah. this guy be like the Zeus that we know and remember? Maybe seeing him at his peak and maybe seeing him fall yeah. to where he's got now. I'd like to see that on screen as well and really done well by like the Marvel production team of disney i think that'd be great um but yeah those are those are just the two debates i had and things i wanted to bring up uh let's go ahead and shift over to yours yeah uh one i had which you know i'm a big like i've always been a big thor fan so this is actually one of the ones i actually ironically i actually had the original comic first print that this was based on and i sold it <laughs> but like i read those and i i started picking up on some things that were kind of like possibly could be foreshadowing you just never know. They can really go with whatever route they want. But one thing I brought up to Jane Ellie earlier is when uh, Jane flew in to kind of save the day. Like one thing she flew in on was Pegasus, which was Valkyries, like Pegasus, which is funny because now we're talking about Hercules and stuff. We've been talking about Pegasus a lot. This could happen. It might not happen. Who knows? In the comics, what happens is when Jane gets saved and brought back from cancer is... Uh, Valkyrie, which we know this isn't going to happen in the film because Valkyrie kind of plays a different role. Jane becomes one of the Valkyries by getting this thing called like the All Weapon. So it's not really like the Necro Sword, but it's gold. It's basically kind of like that lightning thing, but she can turn it into any weapon and she starts flying on Pegasus all the time. And that's kind of how she comes back. My question for you is I don't know if that would happen. I don't know what would happen. 
now that she's in Valhalla with Himdall, who we thought was dead, what do you think those two's roles are for the future? That opens up a real big can of worms. And I will say that expression in this context, simply because what are we going to get? Maybe a similar sort of idea of the attack on Olympus where the Titans go after the gods and the gods aren't safe on Olympus anymore and you know how Valhalla is like the afterlife of the Norse gods maybe there's an attack on Valhalla and they, now they've got to like go somewhere else with it like who knows uh, that, that's the you know if that's the case you know, the, what, what use is death in these films if there's no death that's permanent it, it really kind of diminishes the effect of losing certain characters at certain times I hope they don't do that I really hope that maybe she stays gone but I think you know realistically that's what my heart wants but my mind and like what I think is going to happen is, is something along the lines is going to happen where maybe Valhalla is attacked by gods because maybe even Hercules leads the charge or something to kind of draw Thor out or whoever knows like how it's going to go but I see Valhalla coming under attack and somehow these major characters that ended up dying in battle or in Valhalla in some way, shape, or form are able to be brought back to the physical realm in some really weird, you know, whatever, however that may come about. I don't really know, but I can really see that happening. But what the, the dangers of that does is it really... It's like, okay, so then anyone who dies isn't really dead, so why do we care if someone dies on screen? Because they can always be brought back, and we're going to see that over and over again. At that point, it really dilutes the idea of death and you know, like losing an, a character or losing attachment to a character. Because, oh, and like you mentioned last week too, well, now all we have to do, we want to really kind of cheapen it, just bring someone in from the multiverse. Oh, another universal <laughs> right, you know, right, that person. Yeah. And yeah, so you know, I really hope they don't open that can of worms. I really hope that you know, that's my, my heart says, please don't. But my mind's like, of course they will, because you know now we can just have these people keep recurring, making money grabs on these major actors and actresses, and you know whatever may happen, you can bring them in and out as you please. And so I, I think that probably will happen, but my heart hopes it doesn't, and that's my thought on it. Yeah, no, great, great thoughts. Um, I, I agree. I think if you're going to start kind of going that route, it really takes away from the whole idea of a character dies like it like that was a really shocking moment when she died in the theater before you saw that screen because it was so quick like how she was mighty thor and then it was a really cool for a full circle moment with gore's daughter becoming love so interesting thought um another question i would have is you know we saw loki this summer right um do you think he ever plays a role one a lot of fans were kind of like not really upset in a way but i guess they built up in their head like maybe we'll get to see loki again because of that and he never made any sort of appearance do you think he'll ever come back at some point oh absolutely it's happening for sure and i think that's going to really get pulled into when uh king the conqueror becomes the major villain that they've got to defeat because that's where we got introduced to king the conqueror is in the loki series so in my mind, Loki ends up finding his way back to Thor somehow and warns him of what's coming. And that's when we'll get like the whole, the, you know, King the Conqueror being the new quote unquote Thanos, you know, the bigger, badder Thanos of the, the next major villain of the Marvel phases. So he absolutely is going to come back and play a major role. There'd be no point in making the Loki series if he wasn't, right? Because the, like, the Loki series itself, that Loki isn't even the Loki that we would have and thought about in present time. He's the 2012 Loki from the original, you know, the first Avengers, like the first Avengers movie. So, right. you know, we're already yeah. using the multiverse, getting him out. You know, he was the one that was 
trapped inside the the uh, the, what's it called? They they ended up taking him captive. The Avengers did in the first film, and then the, the you know we saw what happened in the Loki series. He used the Tesseract. Then the the time continuum. You know the TVA people came and brought him into to their little prison. And then we got introduced to Owen Wilson's character as Morbius and all that. Uh, so, anyways, whole point of me saying that I didn't want to go on a whole tangent on it, but what it which, what it tells me is that they're not going to make a whole series on that and just not bring Loki back into the major Marvel universe. It wouldn't make sense. So I definitely believe Loki's somehow going to find his way back to our current universe, tell Thor about what's coming because of, you know, what ended up, you know, his, Sylvia, his, you know, Loki counterpart did and the whole issue there. And then that's going to start the whole, okay, we've got to prepare for King the Conqueror. And maybe that's when we'll start bringing in, you know, like the X-Men, the, you know, the Deadpool side of stuff. And who knows like how that's going to go, but that's just what I think is going to happen. Yeah. And then my last one, I agree with you there. I, I think he definitely will come play a role at some point. I just think it was a little bit too early for them to have anything where he arrives. Um, the other thing, uh, I actually have an interesting facts TikTok on this I made a long time ago. And if you go back to our first episode uh, where we ranked the MCU, my prediction was kind of they would bring this one character in at some point. So uh, I'll give a little backstory real quick. So that Necrosword that's here, this is actually created by someone called Null. Null is the first character to ever kill a Celestial, which if you go watch Thor The Dark World, you see a planet where it looks like a Celestial's head is just floating. The person that is said to have killed that, according to the comics, was Null with the Necrosword, and he sliced off its head, because so, apparently the sword is the one, one of the few weapons that could kill a Celestial. Null is the god of symbiotes. So the rumor is, the reason they were calling these shadow figures is they're actually symbiotes, but Thor didn't really know what they were then. So the thought is, this could be a way how they actually bring in Venom into the Venom universe, but there's thoughts maybe that won't even happen. Do you think Venom ever kind of starts being moved into the MCU, or do you think Sony's just going to kind of keep their own thing, even though we've seen kind of um, after credit scenes with Venom? Like, how do you think this plays a role? Do you think that has anything to do with that, or they're just going to leave this the way this is okay fuck it the necrosword's obliterated you know we're just leaving everything this or do you think this is all gonna play some maybe a more significant role in the future it's actually a really good question um me thinking about it now i think they move venom into <clears throat> the marvel side of things in a different way but i definitely believe that null will play a role at some point as another future villain but I believe it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be brought up in a different sense. I. I don't necessarily think, and I might be wrong here. So I'm gonna go out on a ledge and just, you know, I'm gonna call my shot here. And if I'm wrong, I look like an idiot. But I don't believe those shadow creatures were symbiotes. And the reason I don't believe yeah. it, we've seen what symbiotes look like and how they attach to the host. And we didn't see any of these shadow creatures attach to any of the yeah. kids that they were fighting. And at one point, did you know if if you know that was indeed what they were and. The God Butcher was controlling the symbiotes. He could have just made his own army with the children and made them like evil symbiotic children and right. fought them. So I really don't believe that those shadow creatures were symbiotes. I think it's going to come up in a different way. Now, the Necrosword for sure will probably play a different role. And there's going to be something what probably how it reforms or never truly ends up breaking even when it shatters. You know, who knows? And maybe someone else is going to bring it back. But we'll definitely get Null eventually. 
and you know especially because he said that that sword can kill a celestial it can kill gods it's too important to just never bring up again and only have in a one-shot film like this so i think that uh yeah uh no will be brought into the universe and venom will be brought into the universe but it's going to be more on this i think venom, the venom side is going to be more brought into the spider-man side of things and then i you know eventually when we get like the whole dark avengers that will probably be when we hear more about the symbiotes and null and maybe how, how that goes and maybe i don't know if it's gonna be a backstory or if it's gonna be he's still around and not dead like he is in the comics you know so we're gonna kind of see what happens from there so that's uh that's my thought on it yeah i agree with you i think it's way too early uh for that um also people have even made the suggestion maybe he's too dark for the avengers but now what's interesting too is you can kind of see that's not necessarily the case anymore now that you've seen the whole situation with doctor strange and now they're talking about weird things like the little word that came out of russell crowe's mouth (laughs) but anyways um no i think you're right i think that's much farther down the road it could even be brought more into the whole peter parker scenario where he's kind of on his own in that other multiverse um and I think more it's going to be focused on King the Conqueror. But, yeah, those were just my thoughts for today. And, uh, yeah, any uh, kind of final thoughts you had? No, that kind of covers everything as it pertains to Thor, Love, and Thunder and where we think things are going to go for the future of Marvel because of where this film left off. And I'm excited for it. You know, it's, it was great doing these two one-shot films back-to-back weeks. You know, and obviously the last thing I'll say is we're jumping into another major series next week. So be prepared for that. We're going to have a good quality six episodes on our next topic. So we're going to jump back into the series there. And then, you know, I'm actually really, really excited about this as well. We all know what's premiering August 27th, the very first episode. And it kind of came up a lot faster than I was thinking. So uh, after our six strong episodes, maybe seven if we end up doing like a rankings thing or a, a bonus episode after that series. After the next seven episodes, we're going to dive into, you know, um, we're almost going to kind of go in a full circle ourselves. One of our biggest, the kind of biggest things that we've covered in season one, we're going to end on for season two. So it's kind of beautiful symmetry there. So really excited for that. But, you know, as it pertains to today, you know, if this is your first time joining us, thank you. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. Uh, we hope you kind of stick around. You know, if you have been with us from the very beginning, your support means everything to us. Chase always says it. You guys are the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. Thank you so much for the continuous support all these years. And so, uh, you know, going forward for the, the newbies, if you don't know where to find us, you can follow us on Instagram at official ridiculous Patronus on TikTok at ridiculous Patronus. We have a backup Instagram and a backup TikTok, both at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We've got a Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We've got a YouTube page, Ridiculous Patronus. We have uh, RP Factor Fantasy at Twitter. We have RP Factor Fantasy on Snapchat. And we do have our own website, RidiculousPatronus.blogspot.com. And that's where you can follow us along. Please, guys, do everything you can to leave us some reviews on Apple Podcasts. You can do star ratings now on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. The audience engagement means everything to us. And if you're looking for where you can find the podcast specifically, you can find it if you're an Apple user on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you're an Android user, you can find us on Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy are there. But we're out for the day because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy, signing, signing off. off.